0: Good morning. 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 How are y'all? Good. The, the few that would brave the weather this morning. It's amazing sometimes, like, we're in Wisconsin. I think this is just kind of par for the course, but everybody kind of freaks out and stays home and whatever. So, good job, good job, good job. Yeah. Is it well with your soul today? We are in Ecclesiastes. We're in the middle of a series we've been in since the start of the new year, wrestling with some of life's deepest questions. Questions that we're searching for meaning to life. Questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why does my work seem so much like work? Why do I feel alone? Why is life so unfair? And today we're going to explore the question, where can I find happiness? Where can I find happiness? Is this mic okay? It's like a little spark kind of thing, so I'll just let it go. Okay. Let's say, according to one survey, here are the top 10 things that made people happy. Number one is intimacy. Making love is PG-13 rating on this message. But lots of different things. you got theater, concerts, galleries, museums, sports, and exercise. Does that make everybody here happy? Okay, who does that have the opposite effect for? (laughs) There's one. Gardening, yeah, not so much. I can't stand it. But there's different things that make different people happy. There was one survey that I saw. It was a different one. They had a list that make people happy. It says interpretive dancing. When nobody is watching. <laughs> Do we have any closet interpretive dancers here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a few that, that will, will admit. What are some things that make you happy? Just if you want to shout out some different things that make you happy. Grant, yeah. Grant, Grant that's the easy one. Always, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. She's a sucker. This is my son's girlfriend, <laughs> and she's sucking up to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Any other things that make you happy in life? Doing things, Doing things for other people. Did I hear that right? That's good. Other things. Children's laughter. Children's laughter is a good one. Good job. Watching motorcycle races. Watching motorcycle races. Just makes it feel a good inside. <laughs> the rev of the engines. <clears throat> nice. Any other ideas, thoughts? Food. What was that? Food, yeah. food. Of course, food. Especially good food. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a home that has a person that makes good food in our house. Thank you, dearest. She's wonderful. John Lennon was quoted. He said, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment. I told them they didn't understand life. Happiness is an idea that has haunted the souls of mankind since the very beginning of time, and it seems to be increasingly more important as time goes by. In a recent study of more than 10,000 participants from 48 different countries, it was discovered that happiness is often more important than having meaning in life. It's more important than becoming rich, and it's more important than getting into heaven. I thought that was interesting. And happiness is ingrained in our culture. It's something famously framed within our U.S. Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Great philosophers have wrestled with this question. Aristotle, in fact, determined that happiness is the ultimate purpose of human existence. It's the ultimate purpose because things like money and pleasure, things like health and respect and honor are ultimately a means to an end. They're means to an end. We desire them only because we believe that they will make us happy. But what is happiness? Can you define it? Psychology today defined it as more than simply a positive mood. It's a state of well-being that encompasses living a good life. That is with a sense of meaning and deep satisfaction, which is kind of what we're talking about today. But we increasingly hear terms like quality of life, right? Quality of life. And by however we deem somebody's quality of life, we basically are beginning to determine whether or not that person should live. Really by whether or not we think they can be happy. Happiness worldwide has become such an emphasis that in 2012 an annual report was begun called the World Happiness Report. Did you know this? It's increasingly being used by governments and organizations for their policy making decisions. Because it's about happiness. But of course, that wouldn't be necessary if everyone was as happy as Pharrell Williams. Because I'm happy. There's some that interpretive dancing. <laughs> yeah! That's all you need. You know, actually, this is kind of cool. Living in the modern age today, this is kind of a side note. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a dumb white guy, right? So I'm, I, I read his name. I don't know who he is. I've heard this song a billion times, and I think Pharrell Williams. And I was realizing, yeah, I'm going to be saying his name on church on Sunday morning. And I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Pharrell. So what do I do? It's Pharrell. But, you know, we've got Google, things that I didn't have when I was growing up. You guys are so lucky. I said, how do you pronounce, you know, Pharrell Williams? And there's a YouTube video that has like 30 seconds worth of how to pronounce Pharrell Williams. Pharrell Williams. Pharrell Williams. It's crazy. So that kind of made me happy. But in this in this song, he's basically saying, You can't bring me any bad news, it doesn't matter what you are gonna bring me, you can try all you want, but I'm happy. And it can't affect me. And that's basically it. The sermon's over. <laughs> Go home, listen to Pharrell. <laughs> Nobody's getting up. <laughs> it's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy. Like how many of you have been really angry? Or worried about something just kind of all stressed out about it and you get some goofball knucklehead coming up and saying just get over it it doesn't worry about it. don't worry about it it's not that big of a deal you're making big things out of nothing right or you get the good christian you know just give it to jesus don't worry just you gotta lean in a little bit trust jesus a little more he'll take care of you and you know that's all well and good and true But how many of you want to reach out and touch someone (laughs) when it happens, right? The royal boot of fellowship? I'll show you happy. It's not that simple. The reality is only one in three Americans is happy, according to the Huffington Post. One in three Americans. Antidepressants use has increased nearly 400% in the last two decades, with 11% of Americans over the age of 12 taking some form of antidepressant. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. Almost 45,000 Americans die by suicide each year. That's 123 suicides per day. Almost a half a million people go to the hospital every year because of self-harm injuries. And it ends up costing the government, the U.S. government, $51 billion every year. And the world was in shock when in August of two thousand fourteen Robin Williams committed suicide after hanging himself. Remember that? The guy who was well known and famous for making people laugh, in a sense making them happy. Yet when circumstances became too difficult in his own life, he he opted out. Are you happy? Are you really happy? We all say we are, aren't we? Especially on Sunday mornings. Let's go to our text. We're in Ecclesiastes. So if you want to go into Ecclesiastes, if you have your Bibles, you can look in there. We're going to go into chapter 2 in just a moment. But Ecclesiastes is a book that doesn't specifically name an author, right? Tradition ascribes it to who? Solomon. Very good. So Solomon was, again, a mighty king. And God appeared to Solomon in a dream and told him that he would give him anything that he asked for. And if you remember the story, Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, you gave me the right answer. So I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you wealth, honor, and lots of wisdom. The Bible calls Solomon the wisest man who ever lived. And with God's guidance, he conquered much of the known world and became the most powerful man on earth. So Ecclesiastes transcribes Solomon's search for meaning, and with meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and happiness. So you can, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to start in there, and this is a wisdom literature, which is what, again, I know I heard Pastor John tell you where it is. What's the wisdom literature? Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Good. I just said to do that because Pastor John would be proud of me if I asked that. But listen to what he writes. As he searches within his heart, we're going to look at verse 1. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that that too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? And after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. So we're going to jump to verse 10. He said, Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. What a depressing dude, man. Solomon had everything, right? Great power, wealth. He had the honor and respect of his own people and people from far off. People would travel great distances just to come and hear Solomon and his wisdom. And he had lots of women. I think too much of a good thing. 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. You know, some of you guys get in trouble because you forget your wife's birthday. Just think if you forgot her name. (laughs) Which one are you again? But he lived a life of extravagance. And Solomon, who started out so well, who was on the right path, trusting God for everything, he he started to drift. And he drifted hard. If we look again in verse 10, he said, anything he wanted, he took. He denied himself nothing. And yet when it all came to, he was unhappy. Nothing was worthwhile. And he may have found happiness for fleeting moments. But his conclusion in verses 17 and 18 of this chapter is, he said, I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless. Like chasing the wind, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. So rather than happiness, Solomon found hatred. He hated life. And it kind of makes you wonder a little bit, if Solomon had everything he could ever want, what hope is there for the rest of us, sorry saps, who have a lot more that we might want? What hope do we have to be happy? But in all of Solomon's great wisdom, he began to despise life. So let's highlight just a few points. Solomon the king could not command happiness he could command people he could command anything he wanted he could have but he could not command happiness he was the wealthiest man in the world but he could not buy it <coughs> the wisest man on earth could not find happiness with all of his great wisdom it was elusive and this great builder the one that god tasked to build the temple could not make happiness nothing he did would find happiness and pastor john the last few weeks has has mentioned as others have over time that there's a god-shaped hole inside of every single human on earth only god can fill that right do you believe it's true some of you do some of you do but you know wouldn't that make sense if god created us to have a relationship with him, to live in an intimate relationship with him, then wouldn't it make sense that if we don't do that, that there's going to be something gaping in our hole? <laughs> gaping in ourselves. There's a hole gaping. Thank you, Aaron. She caught it. But it's going to make sense because we're going to be lost without him because he made us to be in a relationship with him. C.S. Lewis wrote, In Mere Christianity, he said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. And it's true, isn't it? Yeah, how many of us have found Jesus accepted his invitation into relationship? And everything has completely changed. Like we are happy 100% all the time. Anybody? Not a single person? Hasn't really been our experience, has it? And and many well-meaning Christians would tell us, if you just accept Jesus, if you have just enough faith and you do all the right things and everything is going to go right for you. They say, God wants you to be successful, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Live your best life now. But is that reality? Is it really that simple? If we just have enough faith and do all the right things that everything's going to go away, all of our problems are going to go away. I actually knew somebody a while back that he used to complain all the time because he became a Christian, right? And his life got harder. It got harder, so he complained to everybody and just said, oh man, life was so much better before I knew Jesus. It's like, I don't know what to say to that. But life doesn't get better in a sense all the time, right? Like we have Jesus, we've got this connection with him that we didn't have before, but it doesn't mean that everything is just, all our problems are going to go away. But why not? If God has filled us with this, if he lives in us, right? He fills us then why do we still sometimes struggle to find happiness? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever wonder? Because Jesus died for us so that we can be brought into relationship with Him, into right standing with Him, and and yet there's this tug that continues in our hearts. There's a tug that is called sin and it tries to lure us away from God. It tries to convince us that we can be happy with things or with stuff outside of God. And we may find ourselves continually drawn toward these other things that we think will give us happiness. And they might. But only for a time. And it won't be long before we find ourselves in the same place again or worse. Even as believers we're not immune to the effects of sin, Jesus himself said, In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. We suffer from the consequences of sin, our work is harder, and we live in a broken world. Generation after generation after generation of sinners doing things wrong, messing things up, acting out of selfish motives, acting out of their own brokenness, causing much heartache and continuing this cycle of brokenness. And maybe it was this cycle that Solomon saw. Maybe this is what he saw, that this cycle never seems to end. See, we begin to get in the trouble when we start looking for happiness outside of God, when we start looking for happiness apart from Him. And we often do. We look for it in things, in money. We look for it in relationships, in fame or success or simply the approval of others. I had a, I had a close friend some years ago. Uh, for a long time, he struggled with feelings of homosexuality. Uh, it was a secret struggle that he maintained for a long time. we had We used to do ministry together. Uh, it was exciting, and we used to just sit for hours after church sometimes and just talk about ministry. We talked about you know things that God was doing. We would talk about our hopes for the future and so when I heard that like it, i, I didn 't know what to do with it and it it was hard because he was deciding to turn his back on God and pursue this lifestyle that I knew was going to bring destruction. And I remember I wanted to meet with him and as I was talking with him and just sharing my heart and trying to understand where he was coming from, trying to desperately figure out some way that we could make some connection and And things wouldn't go the way that they were headed down. Like, I remember him asking me this question. He said, doesn't God want me to be happy? He said, doesn't God want me to be happy? And that's sad. It's sad. I hear that from a lot of different people, all different parts of the world. Like, doesn't God want me to be happy? Do you believe that God wants us to be happy? Do you you believe that he wants us to be happy? Sometimes we're not so sure, right? Especially when we're in our darkest moments. When we're trying to figure things out, like what's going on. You know what, so I, I know that he does. And I know someone here is thinking, yeah, but... Holiness is more important than happiness. And yeah, that's true. But here, think about when he created the world, he created us. Everything was perfect, right? We were perfect. We had perfect harmony with him. And we messed up. Sin happened. Kind of messed things up a little bit. But his plan, again, is to restore what's been broken. And there will be happiness. There will be no tears or sorrow or death in this new life. So I know that God wants us to be happy. But let me ask you this. As parents, do you want your children to be happy? Okay, how many of you want your children to be happy? Okay, that's good. Good, good job. How many of you want your parents to be miserable, or your children to be miserable? Anybody? One, maybe? (laughs) Why is that? Huh? When they need it. To teach them a lesson, right? And that, I don't think, is really any different than God. Because if we allowed our children to do whatever they want, right, so they can attain happiness, is that going to help anything? That's, That's kind of an unloving thing to do, isn't it? It's unloving. Because there are consequences to some of the decisions that we make, there are consequences. And this is where life's lessons are forged where hopefully our children become stronger and wiser and ready to take on life and endure through some of the many trials that we know are coming ahead. They're going to need this in order to get through the things ahead. And we know that we're not setting them up to succeed and we're not preparing them for happiness if we don't allow them to struggle. And of course, they completely understand, right? They're quick to listen, They do exactly what you tell them to do. They say thank you, always. Has that been your experience? (laughs) No, they don't. What do they do? They argue. They argue. They throw tantrums. They try to manipulate you. They put mom and dad against each other. And they play this comparison game. Compare their situations to other people's and their friends. And they see injustice. That's not fair. You never let me fill in the blank and they try to wrestle us for control because they believe if they can finally control their own circumstances then they can be happy and you know if I'm honest I wonder you know I I don't look like that but I wonder if sometimes really I'm all that different because sometimes I try to wrestle control from God what about you? ever do that or trying to control circumstances that you have no control over because god wants to speak to us in the situations we face he wants to speak to us in the hardships and rather than confront our problems and some of the core issues that we face we tend to run from them and we look to other things so that we can be happy but god continually tries to get our attention he's poking at our hearts and all of our misplaced desires And as he does that, we often cover our ears, all the more determined to have our own way. We attempt to wrestle away control and manipulate our own circumstances so that we can have whatever we think will finally make us happy. But the result is that happiness will continue to elude us because we're looking for it in the wrong things. So, how can we be happy? This is depressing. (laughs) How can we be happy? Let's see what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. He says, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, he says, enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. You know, sometimes this lot in life doesn't really seem much like a gift. But it is. He says, accept it. And there is peace that comes simply in accepting where we are. Just in allowing things to be, that doesn't mean we can't try to grow and make a life better for ourselves or, or for our families, but if we're so fixated on trying to build things, if we're so fixated on everything trying to be better that we can't live in the moment and enjoy what God has given us now, we're not going to find happiness. And that kind of butts its head against the American dream a little bit, doesn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, he says, Young people... It's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. He says, enjoy the different seasons of life. Be in the moment. Kind of funny. When I was a kid, I wanted to be older. And then when I was a little older, I wanted to have my driver's license. I wanted to drive. And then when I got my license. I wanted to be 18 so I could get out of the house from under the oppressive abuse of my parents. I did. Thank you for that. Amen. And then after I got out of the house, I wanted to get married. I wanted to start a family. And uh, it was always something else. But then after we started a family and we had four needy little boys all in diapers with snot always somehow pouring out of their nose. (laughs) When sickness came, when we found ourselves in a frantic run trying to race to the bathroom toilet before the vomit would go all over us, I longed for the days and they would be out of the house and gone. (laughs) When the days seemed so long and everything seemed so difficult, and if I'm completely honest, Jessica had 90% of that burden. I had like 10 and I was still whining. But you know what? I realize now, like, I have missed so many moments of their lives over the years, and I desperately want to slow time down. And I can't. There are seasons in life, and God gives us such great blessings if we'll just simply look and see what he's given us. Don't always look down the road for the next thing, but simply enjoy life. Find the moment. Find happiness in the moment. And don't waste it. Don't squander it. Because that will lead to regret, like we talked about yesterday. And I've got regrets. And here's the: I was sitting here praying before service, and I was thinking about this, and sharing in this moment and I'm thinking about my boys and thinking I'm probably going to start getting cheery and stuff and I started doing that over here and I felt like God was saying you know what as much as you love them and you're getting goofy right now kind of tearing up and crying like I love you so much more than that and that was just kind of a cool moment and that's how he loves each of us if we're just willing to listen to see what he's trying to show us to find happiness in the moments that we might look over if we weren't really paying attention. Ecclesiastes 9. He says, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. He puts it such in a nice way. (laughs) But he says, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And, uh, you know, this kind of, this had new meaning for me yesterday. Uh, and this has been kind of a tough week for me, a uh, tough couple of weeks. I've got school going, a bunch of things happening this week, and I felt a lot of stress and pressure, and this message has been really hard, and I think it's because there's no simple answer. You know, and if I'm honest, I'm not actually, I didn't finish it all, but, so I don't know how this is going to turn out. But I thought I had it basically done, okay? And then I started reading and practicing on Friday, and I was like, man, this is awful. This is terrible. And so I stayed here really late Friday night trying to get it done after we did stuff for No Regrets. And I thought, okay, this still isn't good, so I'm going to stay after No Regrets tomorrow, Saturday, and I'm going to work on it more. I'm planning I won't get home till about ten, eleven o'clock, whatever, and, you know, if I do my best. And... You know, it got to the afternoon and it's like, man, this is this is dumb. I don't think God wants this. I just I want to go home. I want to enjoy my wife. I want to join my family. And so if th- if that meant that you guys are getting kind of a, a cruddy kind of message, I'm sorry, but Pastor John says you'll forget ninety nine percent of what I say next week anyway. <laughs> but my point my point is this. You, Enjoy. Live happily with the woman you love, your family, all this stuff. Because we can be so fixated on, on trying to do good things in the workplace for whatever reasons that we, we pass life by. And God wants us to enjoy the moments that He gives us. And if I were honest, you know, the reason that happiness lose me, I just, last month, and this is not scripted, so I'm just kind of going off here. Last month, it was, you know, I, I love this job. I love where I'm at, Southside. I love being a pastor here. But I was struggling trying to find the joy and happiness because it just, it was hard, and it was work, and it just, it was tough. And I'm trying to, I'm kind of scared now because I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Oh, here it is. I am very focused on the approval of others. I have a lot of insecurities And so a lot of this work that I put on myself, it's not because I have to, it's not because I need to do it, but it's because I am insecure and I am seeking your approval. I want you guys to like me. And so because of that, because I want you guys to think I'm doing a good job as a pastor or whatever, I have been, and I do sometimes, leave my family to the side so that I can get the approval of the rest of you. And that's wrong. And I'm saying that not to come to this like confessional moment, but because there are things inside of all of us. There is brokenness. There are things that we long for. It, it might not be material pursuits. It might not be things that we want, that we want to have, but it might be because we have insecurities and there are broken things in us that we are looking for approval outside of God. And we're not going to find happiness if we're continually doing that. If I'm always looking for the approval of Don because he's, he's hard to just get him to like me, <laughs> I probably won't have the approval of Pastor Joe, because he's tough. Too. You know, you, you can't please everybody. So I'm kind of getting off here, but do you know what I'm saying? And so here, here's the thing. We cannot find happiness apart from God, Right? I think everybody agrees. We can look for it in things. We can try to attain it through accomplishments. We may seek it in the approval of others. Happiness is a choice that we make here. And let me be honest with this, because I was just wrestling with this this morning. This is a part. I went home last night. Good for me, right? I came in at five this morning, so I could work on this a little bit more. And I struggled this and I, with this. And I'll tell you, I got this. I looked at one of Pastor John's old sermons, and there's a few pieces I stole from him. But he said, Happiness is a choice made in the heart. I'm just earning all kinds of points for myself. <laughs> he said, Happiness is a choice made in the heart. And I'm thinking, is that really true? This seems like so simple. There's such a simple answer. It's just a choice. We just have to choose to be happy. And I wrestled with it as I left there, and I never really finished that part. But it really is, it's a choice. Because we can choose to follow God. We can choose to get our happiness from Him. But th- here's the thing, because there are things in our life, there are desires that we have, right? We can't change We get the idea that we can just have enough willpower to change ourselves so that we just make a choice it's easy, no problem. But it's not that easy, is it? It doesn't matter what kind of willpower we have. God needs to change us. He needs to change our hearts. If I want stuff and I'm constantly looking for stuff, I can't just decide all of a sudden I don't want it. I've got to give that to God. I've got to give that to Him and say, God, this is where I'm at. Allow, like, please change my heart. Allow me to find happiness in You. And if I've got brokenness, if I'm looking for Your approval, and if I want people to make me happy, you know what? I can't just decide I'm not going to. But I can choose to give that to God. I can choose to give that to Him and say, God, I'm broken. I'm looking for happiness in the wrong places. This is where I'm at. Please. Fix me. And he may or may not do something, and it might be a situation where you're like Paul, and you are asking him to take this away. But he says no, because he says my grace is sufficient. And isn't that a good thing? It's a good thing. So here is my unscripted end here. Where are you looking for happiness? Where are you looking for happiness? Is it in the things of this world? Is it in approval? Is it in your accomplishments? Are you looking for favor? Are you not able to find happiness because you are stuck in the past and you've got some, some memories, some broken moments, some, something that is holding you back from being happy? Are you not happy because you're trying to wrestle control from God and you're just not willing to accept the situation as it is? I know all of us have different things, right? When things are good, great, but there's probably this gnawing question in each of us, like, why isn't it this way? Why this? And I want to just allow some space because I can't give you the answer. This is kind of like, where can I find happiness? There isn't really an easy answer. It's really, it's living a life of surrender. Being honest with God about where you are because he already knows it anyway. He already knows it. Be honest with him where you are and allow him to take control. Allow him to do his work in you. That is a transformation we need. It's not in having the willpower to change ourselves because we can't. But it's saying, God, in my weakness, you are strong. So, what is God saying to you? I'm going to leave just a few minutes, create some space here. I'll pray in a little bit, but let's let God speak in this moment and put his finger on what he wants to do in your life. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, let us get used to the silence. You wouldn't be afraid of the silence and be... Attentive to our own thoughts, our own hurts, our own desires, the things that we try to pretend we don't have. And allow us to hear Your voice cut through it all. I got to pray for this body these people who have been called by your name Lord that we would be a people that would confront our issues where you want to speak into our lives that we would surrender all of our desires all of our things that we look for to make us happy outside of you God that we would that they would be exposed that we would lay them before you and say God help us we can't do this on our own but you can And allow us to see the beauty of your work in action. As you transform us, making something beautiful out of some of the mess that we've made in our lives. (coughs) Got to think that you always work, you're always working, you're always trying to get our attention. You love us more than we could ever know and more than we could ever understand. And Lord, give us the courage to yield to you and to make the decision that we want to walk in happiness and we're going to give you whatever it is that might be blocking it because we are full in you. So that where we are weak, you are strong. And we claim your promises, we know them to be true. So work in our hearts now we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.